Sorokin has gotten to the point where he can steal a game for you. He sees something in Leo Komarov that none of the rest of us see. I'm just saying, I'm not skating around to Nickelback. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. It is episode 78. And I will be joined for this entire episode 78 by my good friend and Newsday Rangers beat writer, Colin Stevenson. We will bring Colin in very, very shortly. He'll be with us for the entire podcast. But uh, hi, I'm Andrew Gross. Before we get to Colin, uh, you can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. You can also communicate one-on-one with me via Newsday Islanders text, and you can sign up for that by texting 631-303-3766. That's 631-303-3766. Or you can go to newsday.com backslash IELTS text to start your 14-day trial subscription. And we have Colin on the episode today because the Islanders and Rangers have two games coming up. They haven't played in a while. And uh, I thought we would uh, bring Colin in for his expertise. So, Mr. Expertise, how are you, my friend? I'm doing just great, man. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful time of year. The weather's getting warmer. And, uh, you know, the games are getting bigger, right? So uh, what, could be, what could be better than that? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know, a, a world without COVID, but oh, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I dream, of course, right? So, <laughs> but no, yeah, but, you know, us old guys can get, uh, you know, been getting vaccinated now, you know. So I mean, yeah, you know, it's open to everybody, but I think us old guys have, uh, you know, got a head start. So yeah, you know, no, I'm, uh, I'm recording this podcast and then uh, heading into New York City for shot number two. So uh, Good very. For you. Very excited. I think you're on shot number one, right? No, no, no. I'm done. I'm done, baby. Oh, oh, man. I'm good to go. That's, I got that's... my second shot last week. So, you know, I can't quite uh, get to the Coliseum for this weekend's games because I won't be, quote unquote, fully vaccinated. You know, it won't be two weeks after my last shot. But by yeah. the next go around, I, uh, I should be there. That is excellent. And next time we do these, uh, these Zoom podcast interviews, we won't have to be wearing masks with each other per the CDC. <laughs> right, 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 right. But no, you're right. You're absolutely right, Colin. It's, you know, it, it's kind of weird. In, in a normal season, this would probably be the, uh, you know, the, the regular season finale coming up this weekend. And we'd be on to playoffs next season. Of course, in this 56-game season, uh, we're going on through uh, – well, now it's been extended to what May 11th, May 14th. They keep pushing it out because teams, uh, you know, especially Vancouver right now, need time to recover. But it is, you know, we are in the midst of the playoff push here, and uh, the East Division is just—it's it, very interesting the way these teams are beating up on each other. It's going to be very interesting to see, uh, you know, what comes out after two rounds of playoffs in this division. It's interesting to see like what teams match up well against each other, right? Like, so the Islanders have trouble with the Penguins, but you know, they have no trouble with Boston. You know, the Rangers have trouble with the Penguins, but you know, they, they have a winning record against Washington. So it's, you know, it is, it's, uh, and of course, you know, there's Buffalo and New Jersey and everybody's got to get maximum points off of them, you know, to, to kind of make their case. But so that is the, the real interesting thing. And, and I think that's one of those things that you get from, 
you know, almost this, this 18 league that we have, you know, where everybody's playing each other eight times or whatever. And you, you know, the, you find matchups that, that work that wouldn't necessarily make sense. So, you know, there's no logic to it, but it just works. And that's kind of what makes it interesting. Yeah. And, and as I mentioned, the, the, the Rangers and Islanders renew their rivalry. They, they will play Friday and Sunday at Nassau Coliseum. They also play April 20th at the Coliseum. Then they play April 29th at Madison Square Garden. And finally, uh, one more game back at the Coliseum on May 1st. So teams still have uh, five games against each other. Yeah. You know, now, the, the, the Islanders opened the season, opened both team season with a 4 nothing win at the Garden. And then two days later, the Rangers got them 5 nothing. That was the game where Cal Clutterbuck hits Semyon Barlamov under the mask with a pregame shot. And Ilya Sorokin is rushed on to make his uh, his NHL debut. And and then the, the, the Islanders come back and win two nothing at the Garden on February 8th. That was a game that was 0-0 heading into the third period, much like the Islanders won nothing win over the Capitals on Tuesday at the Coliseum. But, right. but the Ranger, Rangers and Islanders have not played since February 8th. So Colin, what, what's different about the Rangers since well, February 8th? there's there's a lot that's different um i'll start with the main thing the main thing was you know in february 8th mika zibanejad was not mika zibanejad i don't know who he was he had had covid during training camp missed all of training camp and that you know in in, in hindsight and retrospect that probably uh explains a lot you know in terms of how much weight he may have lost and and he was not himself so he's himself now or or, or close to himself uh, and that's the biggest difference. The other big difference is uh, Igor Shesterkin is playing, you know, he, he did not have a strong start to the season either. Um, and he is now uh, playing lights out. So, I mean, those, those are the two big differences. And, and, and then the rest of them is, you know, what you know and love, you know, uh, Artemi Panarin doing magical things every night and uh, Ryan Strom, you know, as Islander fans are, are uh, you know, quite familiar with him. He's having a, a really wonderful season as well. Um, you know, I, I think a couple of things have emerged that, and I don't know how, how closely people, you know, who, who listen to this podcast might be following the Rangers, but Adam Fox is just having an, an otherworldly season. I mean, he, he had, uh, as we speak, it's, it's Wednesday and, um, you know, the Rangers won uh, 8-4 over Pittsburgh on Tuesday night and, and Adam Fox had a goal and two assists and, you know, you know, as, as we speak on Wednesday, he's tied for, for the lead uh, among defensemen and scoring in a league with Victor Hedman. So that's, 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 you know, that tells you what kind of season he's having. Um, and he's not a one-way guy either. He does it at the back end too. And then of course, Keandre Miller was, a, was making his NHL debut uh, in that first game when, when the Islanders saw the Rangers and he's really established himself now as, you know, a top four guy and, and a legit top four guy who, you know, you know, looks has the look anyway of, of a guy who could could be one of the big names in the league in the next uh, next few years in terms of all the things that he does, both in his own end and also going forward. So, you know, they're a, they're a different and much better team um, than they were than the Rangers were when when the Islanders last played them. And the only question for the Rangers is, and it's it's you know, it's a daunting question. Is you know, if they if they are going to try and make the playoffs they may be too far back. You know, they may have fallen into too deep a hole to climb their way out. I mean, I thought they were going to be a playoff team at the beginning of the year, but, you know, 
the the start was just not good enough and and now you know they're they're gonna try and rally but you know they're they may be too far back to get there but they're playing great right now i should mention that we are contractually obligated to mention that it is long island's own adam fox <laughs> i would think that people know that already but okay. i know no no it, it says right in the contract we have to mention that he's long <laughs> island's own adam fox so yeah yep, he's our guy yeah so, hey, Colin, you and I have discussed, uh, you know, earlier podcasts this season, who we thought the four teams coming out of the East uh, were going to be. I had I had the Islanders, Capitals, Bruins, and Flyers, and you had, uh, you thought, what was it, the Rangers were going to be? I thought the Rangers over the Bruins, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, listen, reality is is what it is. There's, uh, what are there, 18 games left for the Rangers, I think. Um and uh, you know it's it's that seems seems unlikely. The the Bruins have a couple games and they have the Bruins have a five point lead and a couple games in hand. So uh, you know it's it seems seems a little far fetched. So I, I you know I I have a hard time you know the the standings as they are today, um, which would be Islanders, Capitals, Penguins, Bruins. I have a hard time seeing Boston falling out of that fourth spot. So I think that's what we're going to end up doing. Of course. There are still 18 or 20 games to go. So, you know, there is still time to see, you know, something could happen, anything could happen, but it looks pretty safe that the top four as presently constituted is what we're going to be. Regardless of what happens with the Rangers, I, I think they're going to be, you know, a very dangerous team next season when they get a little bit more consistent, I, I would think. And I would think this time down the stretch would be invaluable for the Rangers one way or another building towards next season, but looking at the Islanders, you know, the Islanders have done well uh, against these, what, what Barry Trotz calls straight line teams, you know, like a, a Boston Bruin kind right. of, you know, straight line. And he says, even though the Islanders have not done as well against the Pittsburgh Penguins, he puts the Penguins in that kind of straight line category. Have have the Rangers been playing a little bit more straight line or are they still a very side to side team? <laughs> They're very much side to side. In fact, one of the things that uh, Ryan Strom said uh, in one of his post game interviews last week uh, was interesting to me and in that he's like, listen, you know, we, we get, you know, paraphrasing here, but it was something to the effect of, you know, they want us to play more straight line, but sometimes you just have to trust us that, that, that you know, the play that we see is the right play to make. And, and I think, you know, he makes a good point. I mean, Artemi Panarin is not a straight up and down player, certainly. And neither is Mika Zibanejad and, and neither is, you know, Pavel Buchnevich. And you have guys that play a certain way and you'd like them to play a different way and it maybe doesn't suit their skill sets. Um, so I think, you know, they, they like to play more straight line at times, but no, I would not call them a straight up and down uh, straight line team, north south team. They're they're an east west team for sure. Because the island, I mean, the Islanders predicate everything on their defensive structure and the good goaltending, and, and kind of creating that umbrella around the crease and limiting seam passes and limiting rebound chances. But I, I would think, you know, they see so many straight line teams. They may it, it may be an odd look for them you know, their first few minutes on the ice against the Rangers with the Rangers kind of going every way, every which way, but straight line. 
potential. Right. Well, that, that's that, that's definitely that. That's where you get into matchups. That's that's uh, you know that's that's where you talk about you know we talked about before like you know the Islanders do well against Boston and, and the Rangers do well against Washington, uh, and that's what makes it so interesting when when the Islanders and, and Rangers uh, play and and you know David Quinn has made no you know, no secret of, of the fact that, you know, he has mad respect for the Islanders. He loves the way they play. He loves their straight line play. He loves their, you know, their structure. He's got mad respect for, for Barry Trotz. It's in a, I think if David Quinn had his way, the Rangers would play more like the Islanders do, but you know, the Islanders are constructed differently. They're a veteran team and everybody knows what they're doing. And, and the Rangers are a team that's heavily European influenced. If you think about Mika Zibanejad and Pavel Buchnevich and Artemi Panarin and Kako, you know, um, so the, you know they they are a team that is, uh, you know, it's 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 you know as much as David Quinn would like them to be more straight line and be more North American, if you will, um, this is just who they are. And and as long as it works, it works. And it, and one of the reasons it works is because the you know they're getting fabulous goaltending right now from Igor Shosturkin. Um, he has held them in, you know, again, as we speak again, it's, it's Wednesday and, and, and on Tuesday night, you know, the, the Rangers won eight, four against Pittsburgh. And, and you look at that score and you think, well, you know, it, was, it wasn't a night for goalies, but, but Shosturkin was, was fabulous in the first two periods when the Rangers were outshot. I think it was 31 to 18 in the first two periods. And, and he had only given up uh, two goals uh, in those two periods. So, you know, he's been the guy that's sort of allowing them, if you will, to, um, cover, you know, he covers up a lot of stuff, you know, and he allows them to go ahead and, and play the, the style that, that they play. And, and some nights they score eight goals and some nights they don't. And that's the, you know, that's the difference. I mean, they're, they're not, they're not consistent. If they're playing the, you know, the Flyers, you know, there's a very good chance you're going to score a bunch of goals, but, um, you know, against the Islanders, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't promise that. You know, I'm glad you brought up goaltending because, and I, and I saw uh, in Sunday's Newsday, you had written about Rangers potentially up for postseason awards, which I thought was a good topic, which I'm, I'm going to get to uh, at some point in my Sunday Insider. I will uh, just blatantly uh, copy your lead there. But, uh, <laughs> but I was, what, you bring up goaltending and and here's what, I, what I'm th- wondering. With postseason awards, the Islanders are, are such a group team effort that, you know, unless they give up, you know, the fewest goals in the league, which they were on pace for, you know, and the, and the goalies share the Jennings trophy uh, as Robin Leonard and uh, Thomas Grice did a couple of seasons ago, you know, there, there probably will not be any hardware for this no. team a- after the season, which, you know, which sort of speaks to their, to their team mentality. But I'm wondering as you mentioned, goaltending, whether Ilya Sorokin is kind of pushing his way into maybe, you know, a top five vote in the Calder Trophy uh, race for Rookie of the Year. You know, I I know uh, the Minnesota Wilds, Kirill Kaprizov is is sort of the the runaway winner there, right? Uh, That's what everyone expects. And, you know, I I would think you, you mentioned Condre Miller, you know, he's certainly having a fantastic rookie season. And then uh, Chicago goalie Kevin Lackinen, you know, I, I've seen him in the discussion too. And, you know, just to compare some stats here, Lackinen 14 10 4, 
with the 2.69 goals against and a 918 save percentage. And, and Sorokin, who at one point set a, a, an Islanders rookie record uh, for consecutive wins, he had eight straight wins, is 9-3-1 with a 2.21 goals against and a 914 uh, save percentage. And, and Sorokin has gotten to the point where he can steal a game for you. So I, I'm just wondering, you know, given that Kaprizov, no one's probably knocking Kaprizov unless something unforeseen happens out of the Calder Trophy. But do, do you think Sorokin should be in that dis- discussion? I think in a normal year, maybe. The, the, the issue with Sorokin, in my mind, is that there are a ton of rookie goalies this year. So you mentioned Kevin Lankinen, who's, you know, an older guy. He's 25. So is Sorokin, so... Right, right. But but Sorokin's a true freshman, right? I mean, and Lankinen, I think, played in the, in the minor leagues a lot, in the AHL the last couple of years. You know, Kapo Kakinen, who's, uh, you know, out there in Minnesota as well. Those are the two guys that I have my eye on. And, and it's because they're number ones for their respective clubs. And and that, that I think, to me, would, would work against Sorokin. Yes, his numbers are, are fantastic, but he's not the number one guy on his own club. Whereas Lankinen, uh, Lankinen and Kakinen are number ones in their club. And also Shesterkin, I believe, and listen, I don't, I don't want to sound like a homer and I don't want the people that are listening to this to, to boo me or anything like that. But <laughs> Shesterkin was here, uh, you know, last season and, and played last season, started 12 games, probably had a little bit of a head start on Sorokin and some of these others. And his numbers are comparable too. I mean, his numbers at two two nine goals against in a um, and nine two four. So his save percentage is high. To me, I give weight to the fact that he's the number one, and, and Lankinen's the number one, and uh, Kakinen's the number one, and the guy in uh, in Carolina, uh, Nedel Jovic, um, he's got very similar numbers to Sorokin. So if you look at that, that's a lot of guys that you're mentioning: Nedel Jovic, Sorokin, Shesterkin, Kakinen. Um, Lankinen, and that's not even mentioning Vitek Vanacek. You know, I, I threw Vitek Vanacek's name out there on Twitter <laughs> last week, and I got pummeled. People were killing me. This guy's got a 905 save percentage, you know, but but I look at, you know, he leads rookie goalies and wins. Um, and, and when, you know, when Henrik Lundqvist, you know, had heart surgery and, and couldn't play, and then, uh, and then the other guy, uh, Samsonov, had the COVID and couldn't play, um, Vanacek stepped in and, and kept the caps afloat. So that's, I give weight to that. So if you're, if you're talking about where Sorokin fits in and all that, yes, he has really good numbers, but I, I, you know, me personally, if I'm voting, I would give weight to guys who have played, you know, bigger games, more important games, more games. I mean, if you look at Lankin and like, I'm looking at the stats right now and Lankin has played 1700 minutes um, and Sorokin's played 760 minutes. So while he has, while he is 9-3-1, he did have that eight-game um, win streak, and he does have a good goals against and save percentage and two shutouts, you know, I, I give weight to, a greater weight to, to guys like Lankin and Akakin and, and Shesterkin just because they're, they're the number ones for their clubs. All right. Well, let me approach it from a different angle then. Kaprizov uh, has 14 goals, 17 assists in his first 37 games, uh, you know, and, and obviously he 
you know, like Sorokin, he he had plenty of time in the KHL. You know, he was in the KHL, uh, right. you know, uh, what is it, six seasons or, well, five seasons, just like. Yeah, uh, a lot. He scored some, he scored lots of goals over there, too. It's not like a guy who came over when he was 22. And Yeah. How about Oliver Wallstrom uh, in the Calder discussion? I know his numbers are not quite there yet, uh, but he's been, you know, at one point, he was scoring goals in bunches here. He's got nine goals, seven assists, 32 games. Look, he's got an outside chance of leading the Islanders in goals this season. He's got nine. Brock Nelson has 14 uh, after his uh, goal against the Capitals the other day. If Wallstrom winds up leading the Islanders in, in goals this season, do you think he should be uh, garnering some uh, Calder votes? I like him a lot more than I would Sorokin. And, and I'll tell you, you know, it's, it's, listen, everyone's got a personal bias. And my personal bias is that Wallstrom, I believe, is a true rookie, as opposed to Kaprizov and Sorokin and Shesterkin and these guys who've played in the KK. is the second best league in the world. So if you're scoring 30 goals or 40 goals or whatever it was that Kaprizov scored over in the KHL, and you come over now, and he's not that old. I mean, I, I, I may, I think he's what, 23 or something. Um, you know, I mean, I, I just think that you're in a different category like Wallstrom who's coming out of, you know, who, what was he? He's 21 now. And uh, he's come up through the system and he, you know, this is really his first, I mean, he played in the AHL, right. But, but yeah. this is really his first go around in a, in a major league. Yeah. Um, he, he actually doesn't, he, do, he doesn't turn 21 until June. So. Okay. So he's yeah. not even 21. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I would, I would give him serious consideration, but on the strength of the numbers alone, I don't think anybody's going to catch Kaprizov. And, and I, you know, I, I listen, I saw Kaprizov one game last week on, you know, one of those NBC games, Wednesday night hockey or something. And the guy's unbelievable. So, um, you know, I saw him for 15 minutes. I was like, okay, done deal. It's over. Um, it's hard to imagine anyone catching him barring something, you know, happening to him, which knock wood, let's hope it doesn't. He's having a fabulous year. But, you know, I do think as far as the goalies are concerned, there are a ton of rookie goalies that in a normal year, any of them, and Sorokin would be one of those, any of them would be a, a real candidate. But I just don't think anybody's going to catch Capers off. All right. And we'll be back right after this with a little bit more from Colin Stevenson. Get the latest on the New York Islanders when you sign up to receive text alerts all season long. Newsday's Andrew Gross will text you real-time analysis and behind-the-scenes reporting for $4.99 a month. Go to newsday.com slash Isles Text to get started or text 631-303-3766. That's 631-303-3766 or online at newsday.com slash Isles Text. Colin, I, I got a couple of more topics or one more topic before we go answer some questions. But before we get to that, you promised me a story. <laughs> I forgot. Okay. So remember the last time I was on and you asked me if, if my wife listened to me yeah. on podcasts <laughs> yeah. and I said, I got good news and bad news. Good news is she doesn't listen to me. The bad news is she doesn't listen to podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say I was on, I was on Vince Mercogliano's podcast a few weeks ago and, and she listened to me. Oh, that yeah. is what, what was yeah, the feedback? She went for a walk and uh, she put in, a, you know, she put the podcast in and uh, and she listened. So I, you know, I, you know, I, I, I don't know what to tell you, buddy. I, you know, I, 
I don't know. I mean, I will say this though. There was the, the, there was a specific reason why she listened, and it was because Vince and I were talking hockey, but but we were talking a little bit about favorite road cities, and of course, Montreal came up. And uh, of you know, course, she, yes, 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 yes. Just wanted to. She just wanted to make sure that there weren't any road stories that uh, you know <laughs> that maybe she. He hadn't heard before and, 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 you know, needed to know about. So she just wanted to check me out, make sure I was behaving myself on the road. But, yeah. but I got to say, she did listen to it. She listened to the whole thing. So, you know, I don't know what to tell you about your wife, man. Oh, well, Hey, listen, uh, <laughs> to tell her that we, we have a segment every time you come on now, just uh, we'll have the, the things that happened in Montreal segment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> Yes, things happen in Montreal. It's a wonderful city. Fantastic restaurants up there. Love the hockey up there. Great city. Can't wait to go back. <laughs> uh, hey, before we get to the uh, questions, I wanted to get, you know, obviously you covering the Rangers, uh, more of a, an outsider's look at the Islanders. Your thoughts on how they've collected themselves and moved forward without Anders Lee in, in the lineup. You know, obviously Anders tears his right ACL. He's lost for the season. And Barry Trotz has kind of, you know, he, he's inserted Leo Komarov into that spot. And, and, and you would think at first it's very incongruous. But, <laughs> but, but the I line... I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it when I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. And, and you know what? You're, you're speaking for many people, but the Islanders, you know, they've, they've won three straight and Barzell's line has, has gotten better and better. You know, it seems, you know, the more time they get with Leo and, you know, the, the only frustrating thing is Barzell will set Leo up in front of the crease and, you know, no shot comes out of it. But, you know, from, from your point of view, what have you seen out of the Islanders and in, in how they're playing without Anders Lee? I tell you what, I tell you what it proves. It proves that Barry Trotz knows a hell, hell of a lot more about hockey than you or I or any, <laughs> or any fan. Because he sees something in Leo Komarov that none of the rest of us sees, right? To, to, to be fair, I mean, I, I didn't think they were going to fall off the table because they're a team that's so veteran heavy. You know, I mean, there are guys that these guys have seen it all before. Right. Um, and yeah, losing your captain and losing, you know, that net front presence is, is, a, is a huge, huge loss. And how are you going to make up for it? Well, you don't make up for it by getting another guy to stand in front of the net and do what Anders Lee does. You make up for it by changing your game a little bit. And, you know, so you put Leo Komarov, who is not, you know, who's not going to remind anybody of Anders Lee. Um, you put Leo Komarov there and he gives you something a little different that, that also works. And, and again, it goes back to uh, obviously Barry Trotz loves Leo Komarov for what reason I, I you know, it, it, it's, it's a higher level of thinking basically, because he sees something that I, that I maybe don't, I like Leo Komarov. I don't like him as much as Barry does, um, but it's working and, and whatever they do, um, Barry is going to find a way to make it work. Now, am I saying, that, you know, Barry's a genius. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he's a genius. Maybe he's just a really good hockey coach, but it, you know, he's making that work. Uh, and their veteran uh, locker room, I think is, is also pulling everybody up. And um, you know, it's not, it's not like 
Lee is out and then you're calling up somebody from Bridgeport to play. I mean, you know, they had guys here that, that are filling that, that void. And my question to you is, will they make a trade? Will they go get, you know, um, you know, somebody to, to fill that role with all that cap space that they have. And if, and if so, like, who is it? Paul Mary, I guess is the, is the big one that's out there or Taylor Hall. I mean, you know, is it going to be one of those two guys or is it going to be, you know, do you think it might be a lesser, you know, a lower salary, lesser, lesser name guy? You know, what do you think? I, I do have some thoughts. I'm going to hold that over uh, in a little bit of a teaser because I know we have some questions on the trade uh, deadline. So uh, we will get to that very shortly. There will be trade deadline discussion. Um, while you do bring that up, um, just wondering, you know, from what you've heard around the league, you know, obviously there have been a few deals here and there. Eric Stahl goes up to Montreal, and I think they needed to get that deal done quickly so Eric could, you know, complete his quarantine going from, right. from the U.S. To, to Canada. But it, it, it's been kind of, you know, a slow buildup to the April 12th deadline uh, so far. And, you know, as we speak, there are five days to go. And, uh Barry Trotz was asked about it the other day, and he said he thought it was going to be very, very difficult for NHL GMs to accomplish trades given, you know, everyone's cap crunch issues. Right. And, and, That's and, the issue. right? There. Yeah. And he thought it was going to be really, really quiet. And then about 90 minutes before the deadline on April 12th, there would be like a fire sale, you know, and, and things would get done there. W would you agree with that? I think he's, I think he's dead on right there. I, I think, you know, listen, it's, it's a weird, how many times are going to say this? It's a weird year because of COVID, but in, in a couple of different ways, because you have that, that uh, you know, the, the quarantine period that you got to serve if you're, if you're getting traded across the border, or if you traded from the U S into Canada, I'm not sure what the reciprocal is. So that's part of it. But also I think the cap space, listen, you got a flat cap um, teams, you know, players on multi-year contracts and, and stuff, you know, it, it, it creates a problem where teams don't have cap space. And, and um, if you don't have cap space, then that means when you make a trade to acquire a guy, you know, you gotta, you gotta make, you know, you gotta, you gotta give up some salary to take on that salary, or you gotta get the other team to, to retain some of the salary and stuff. So, I mean, that, that kind of complicates things um, quite a bit. And, and I don't, you know, I, I just listen, guys will make trades right, at the deadline. You know, somebody somewhere is going to make a trade. <laughs> the Islanders are certainly going to make a trade, right? I mean, um, I would guess. I mean, they have the space to do it. So I would think they're going to make a trade and, and other teams are going to make trades. Somebody's going to trade for Taylor Hall and somebody's going to trade for Kyle Palmieri. Um, so there will be trades, but I, I don't know if there's going to be a ton of them. I mean, you know, I, I can speak from the Rangers perspective. I don't see the Rangers making a, a significant deal um certainly uh, they don't have space so taking on a salary is not something that they could do um and and the other thing is you know so then you look the other way could they sell well the the two biggest pieces that they would have to sell would be ryan strom and uh pavel buchnevich and those guys are such huge parts of their team right now that I don't know that you want to sell those guys. So I don't expect the Rangers will make a big trade, you know, just speaking from their perspective, you know, and 
the cap space is a big part of that. And I think a lot of teams are struggling with the cap space. And so therefore I don't expect a lot of deals. Last one before we get to the full on questions. And this is kind of an offshoot of what we were talking about with Leo Komarov filling in in a role. But uh, if you've seen the Islanders power play of late, you know that Matt Martin has taken over that net front presence for Anders Lee and Matt is doing really well. He's a big body that gets in front of the net, but he's also showing some soft hands. He had a no-look backhand feed to set up an Anthony Beauvillier power play goal. What, what are your thoughts on, on, on what, you know, Matt Martin is able to show of himself? A, a side that, you know, a, a lot of people don't see outside of practice sometimes. I will say this. I've always liked Matt Martin. I think Matt Martin. Who does not like right. Matt Martin? <laughs> exactly. He's he's a good hockey player. Um, he's he's a good hockey player. He's a big body and he can do a lot of things for you. I mean, is he the greatest skater in the world? Can he can he you know take it up you know the length of the ice? Probably not. But standing in front of the net, he's a tough enough guy to do that and have success doing that. And he's got good hands. Um, and it's just a question of like he could probably do that over the course of 82 games, <laughs> except that Anders Lee is better at it than him. And so, so he, he plays a different role. Um, and people wonder, why did you sign this guy? Why did you give him so much money? Why did you give him this many years? Well, because he's a good player. And, 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 and the other thing is injuries happen in this game. You never know who it's going to happen to. You certainly don't, you certainly don't want it to happen to your best players as it, as it did in this case. Um, you know, one of their best players, uh, but injuries are going to happen and you have to, as a team, when you're putting a team together, you have to have protection, not protection against injuries, but you have to have, um, you know, uh, a plan, you know, when injuries occur, like we can move this guy here, we can move that guy there. Uh, and Matt Martin's a guy that um, I don't want to say he was an underutilized resource, but he was a good player playing in a, in a fourth line role. Um, who was capable of doing more. And, and I'm, I'm not surprised that he's having success uh, in that role on the power play. Uh, and he's a good guy, so I'm happy for him. All right. Well, thank you very much, Colin. And now you and I get to have some fun, although uh, we do not have time to insert your name into this upcoming uh, little bit of a musical interlude because it is Andrew's Answers with Colin Stevenson. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And Colin, we will delve right into this. And uh, the first question comes from our friend Michael Tricarico via Islanders Newsday Text. Mike T writes, I know that you believe Kyle Palmieri would be a good fit on the Islanders, and I do too. And yes, I wrote a whole Sunday Insider about how I thought Kyle Palmieri should be the target. Uh, if Lou is able to acquire him, what do you think the lines would look like after the acquisition? He's a right-hander and a right-handed shot. So it seems to me that he would not play with Barzell and Everly and that some line juggling would be necessary. Uh, your thoughts. And, and, and I have an, an, an immediate thought, um, which is you, you're absolutely correct that, that you know, Kyle is a right winger. He doesn't necessarily have that versatility to move over to the left side. Um, and, and Barry Trotz has already talked about how he probably would not switch 
Jordan Everly to the left side. So for as much as we've talked up Leo Komarov, if you bring in a Kyle Palmieri, you might put palms with Brock Nelson on the right wing and then maybe move Josh Bailey to the left wing and play him with uh, with Barzell and Eberle, or you might move Palms to John Gabriel Pajot's right wing, uh, and then maybe move Wallstrom up to play with with uh, Nelson, and then maybe Bailey still winds up on on uh, Barzell's left wing. But uh, Colin, any any thoughts on that? I, I'm of the belief that, you know, Palmieri would work best with Pajot. Um, I, you know, Pajot is the guy that can play with anyone. That makes a ton of sense to me. Um, you know, you got a new guy coming in. I think he'll fit right in with Pajot. And then, and then I think Wallstrom, as you, you know, we talked about him earlier as a, as a potential candidate and, you know, uh, to, to get votes or to be in the discussion for rookie of the year. Um, I think that's a guy that, that could move up. Um, and then, you know, you either you know, move Bailey to the left wing on the first line or you don't. <laughs> you know, can, can maybe Wallstrom go up on that first line? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I but I, I do think, you know, if you get Palmieri, the, the, you know, it makes the most sense to me to put him with Pajot and then, and then do some juggling the other way around. But there's other guys you could get, too. I mean, you could get Taylor Hall. He's a left wing. So, I mean, yeah. like, you know, that would be a plug and play, I suppose. Um, so, I mean, there's there's other options. Yeah, and you know Barry. Uh, in addition to talking about how he wouldn't really try Everly on the left side, he's also talked about how he he would not be comfortable uh, moving Wally over to the left side just yet. Um, Thomas Boyle also via uh, Islanders Newsday text says, "Do you see any teams that need to get to the cap floor taking on a bad contract?" And uh, since I do not have an encyclopedic knowledge of exactly where every team is uh, with relation to the cap floor, I have gone to the invaluable capfriendly.com. Yeah. Um, and the teams with the most cap space would be the Los Angeles Kings at around 9 million, the, the Jersey Devils, you know, closer to 8 million. Uh, Ottawa Senators around 7.5 and uh, the Detroit Red Wings around 7.2. Um, and those, of course, are, are, are prorated as you go through the, the, the course of the season. But, you know, the, uh, the, the cap floor, the cap floor is right around, was it 60 million, right? Uh, right. 60.2 million. Um, and, and no team is even skirting the cap floor at this point. Um, so, you know, taking on bad contracts, knowing that there's a flat cap coming up next season as well, that that's going to be a tough sell. You're absolutely right there. I mean, you, you could take a guy who's maybe a little overpaid if like if you're Detroit Red Wings, they took Mark Stahl from the Rangers before the season started. And that that was a surprise to those of us that cover the Rangers because we didn't think that Mark Stahl was tradable. Um, but but Detroit took him and he's been an important player for them. Um, and he's, he's played a lot of minutes for them and, and, and done a nice job for them. So he's worked out. Um, but he's also in the, in the last year of his contract. I mean, when you're talking about a bad, bad contract. Um, I think he's probably talking about somebody who's got multiple years left on a contract. He's uh, talking about Andrew Ladd. The yeah. Islander fans are talking about Andrew Ladd. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I'm sorry, Islander fans. I, I don't see anybody taking Andrew Ladd off your hands. No, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, and even if they did the package, you would have to give up yeah. to get some. I mean, you're talking yeah. about throwing first round picks in, yeah. top prospects, nope. you know, probably an NHL player if they could get the money to work. It, it would be that would be. That would be some deal for the other team to take on. Look, look, let's put it this way. Uh, you know, the Rangers tried to trade Tony D'Angelo <laughs> back in early February. And here's a guy who can play. Um, you know, his problems are not because of his play on the ice. His problems are are something else. And and teams, you know, teams are interested. They, you know, they kick the tires on on that. You know, I mean, here's a guy who's making a, 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 a or I don't want to say reasonable, but he's making – 4.8 million for this year and next. He's a good player, had 50 points plus last year. Um, you know, a lot of teams could use a guy like that, right-handed shot, runs your power play and all that. Um, you know, and whatever baggage he brings, you know, maybe teams are a little scared of that. And, and their thing was, okay, well, well, we'll take him if you can, if you'll hold on to, you know, whatever, uh, retain a portion of his salary and stuff. You know, they want teams, teams don't want to take that kind of risk. And there's, there's nobody that's that's ten ten million dollars under the cap floor. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't do that, right? Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't be able to start, you know. So so everybody's at the cap floor, uh, at least for the season. So there's that is not that is not something that's going to happen. Uh, we go to some questions via Twitter now. Uh, Michael Clink asks, uh, can Barry Trotz afford to sit a regular for one game just for a little rest? Or are we now too far into the season where he just has to let him go? And you know what? Barry has not shown any inclination to, to rest anyone unless there, there are injury uh, issues. You know, we've seen that. He went the first 28 games of, of the season with the same six defensemen. And the only reason that got switched up was because Noah Dobson uh, missed eight games uh, in COVID protocol. You know, I, I don't think Barry is looking uh, to sit guys for a little rest here and there. Uh, you know, you, you would think that maybe, you know, Andy Green, just because he's 38, would have been the, the natural candidate. But uh, he's letting them go as it is. And, uh, you know, Barry says the players are big boys and they understand about rest and recovery and they're given time and they manage their bodies uh, pretty good. Um Let's That's see. not an NHL thing, though, right? I mean, like in the NBA, they, you know, load management and all that. That's a thing in the NBA. It's it yeah. doesn't appear to be thing in, in the NHL. And, and and it listen, load management in the NBA was was not a thing until a couple of years ago when when Greg Popovich started to do it with the San Antonio yeah. Spurs, and then everybody was like, you know what? That's a pretty <laughs> good idea, and now everybody does it. We haven't had that guy in 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 the NHL that that has done that yet. I mean, it's, it, this is a macho league and I guess, uh, you know, guys don't want to do that. Guys want to play through all the bumps and bruises and stuff, you know, for my money, the first guy that's going to start load, ma load management would be the guy in Tampa. That guy's pretty innovative. You know, yeah. he's going to do it. He's, he's going to be the one that does it, but, but no, it's not going to be Barry. It's not going to be this year. And, you know, Andy Green is just going to have to suck it up and <laughs> play every night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know what they're happy to do it but uh I, I i remember and and i'm hoping i get my stories correct um there was a ranger um i think it was dan girardi 
and we got to the final game of the regular season, which I believe if my memory was correct, was in Montreal. And again, please tune in to Colin and I's new podcast, <laughs> Things That Happen in Montreal. Nope, nope, not do it. <laughs> uh, and, and, and Dan Girardi, you know, Dan Girardi, who, whose body was permanently black and blue for the way he threw himself in front of shots and, you know, just played with reckless abandon. He was given the last game of the regular season off just because it was a meaningless game to the Rangers. And they wanted Dan just to rest a little bit for the playoffs. And I remember Dan, you know, not that he came out and he said he was ticked off about it, but he made it clear he would have preferred to play. So I, I just don't think it's in hockey players' DNA. These line of spots on a nightly basis are too precious to give up, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it's just uh, there's another guy behind you that wants those minutes. And if you're going to give up those minutes for one night, that guy's going to come in and who know, do who knows what. And, you know, and then you just go down a road you don't want to go down. So you'd, you'd rather play. Um if, if at all possible. Um, and that's my final answer. <laughs> uh, Matt professional contrarian or not via Twitter says, how do you think the RFA contracts will be structured? Do you speculate any of the restricted free agents will go to arbitration? Um, I will take this one real quickly. I, I think the deal that Adam Pellick signs will be very similar to the two-year $10 million deal that his partner Ryan Pulak got last offseason. Uh, I think the goal there is to get Pelly to unrestricted free agency uh, with a chance to really score big. And the other big RFA would be Ilya Sorokin. He's on a one-year $2 million deal this year, and I think Sorokin also is looking to be an unrestricted free agent as quickly as possible. Um, Semyon Varlamov is making $5 million per uh, on a cap hit. I could see Sorokin's side asking to match Varlamov's $5 million per, you know, coming off. Maybe it's a, it's a big ask coming off just a rookie season, but I could see Sorokin looking for a, a two-year $10 million deal a, as well. Um, can, you carry, can you carry two, two $5 million goalies though? It's going to be very tough for the Islanders. You're going to have to give something up. You probably would not be able to resign Casey Sezikis as a UFA uh, if, if you go down that route. Um, and again, we, we, I know there's a question coming up, but the expansion draft, as I just wrote uh, the other day, could, could play into this as yeah, well. Yeah. Seb just wants to know, will it be Nick Foligno or Kyle Palmieri and what will be the cost? Um, I think either we, we talked about, you know, I, I obviously having covered Kyle Palmieri, I know him a little bit better and I, I think he would be a perfect fit for this lineup, but I think the same thing could be said for Felino. Plus uh, the added bonus with Felino is he's a little bit more versatile and he's a natural left winger. Um, so that might fit the Islanders lineup a little bit better. Colin, you want to take a stab at what this might cost? I think it's going to cost you a minimum of a first round pick. No, I mean, I yeah. don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be 
much more than that. I don't think it's going to be two first round picks or a first in two seconds or anything like that. I don't think Lou's going to be giving up that much, but I think it won't be more than a first round pick and maybe a low level prospect. I mean, no. I, I just don't think you can afford to spend any more than that. You're in this to win this, right? And you have to be because it's a weird year and, and you're right there. You're, you're, you're first in your division or tied for first in your division. Um, so you have a reasonable chance and a reasonable expectation to go far in the playoffs. And, you know, you got to the, yeah, you, know, you got to the conference finals last year anyway. So you have to go for it. And, and so you're going to have to give up your first round pick. I think that's, that's reasonable. And maybe a, a prospect, you know, mid-level or low-level, I wouldn't give up Wallstrom. No, uh, no, 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 no. But, but you know, a, a mid-level or below prospect and a first-round pick is probably about as much as you can spend. And anything that costs more, I think you're going to have to walk away from it. So if you're asking me what it's going to cost to get, you know, Paul Mary or Felino or somebody like that, I would say it'll cost what they can afford to spend, which will probably be a first-round pick, mid-level prospect or below. Anatolik um, asks, and we, we've touched upon this, why do you think Trotz likes Komarov on the first line so much? Let me just quickly add, because I want to get to as many questions as possible uh, before the sand in the hourglass runs up. But Matt Barzell, you know, ever since Barzell's, you know, since Barry Trotz has come in at least, Barry has had... Uh, Barzell sit next to Leo Komarov in the dressing room on the road. And Barzell was talking the other day um, about the fact that, you know, it, it, it still grounds him in a way. He, 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 Leo is the funniest teammate he's ever had. He says it's nonstop laughter sitting next to Leo. And what Leo brings to that room is, is something that unless you're in that room, you just don't get. So, you know, Leo has had a, a huge influence on Matt Barzell's uh, development. And, and that's something that, you know, when you're not in the room, you just don't get to see. Um, Brandon LaRocque, or LaRouche, uh, if he's French, says, do you think Anthony Beauvillier will get moved back to play with Peugeot? They were producing and it was a fun line to watch. And I will just say I asked Barry Trotz about that the other day, um, and Barry sort of agreed with my hypothesis that regardless of how Bo is playing with Nelson, you know, and, and we all know Bo is such a, a streaky player, the, the pieces just fit a little bit better for Barry when Bo is on Nelson's left wing. He, he can construct his other lines um, in, a, in a comfortable manner to get that four-line balance. So Barry prefers Bo with Nelson, and I agree that Bo plays very well with Pajot. I think he had goals in four straight games on that line, but for now, I think Bo sticks with the uh, sticks with with Nelson until uh, as Colin and I discussed let's see what kind of uh trades they have and uh Isles Four Cups um wants to know and this is what Colin and I were talking about I don't see how the Islanders can re-sign all of their RFAs and UFAs this year without making moves and I both Colin and I uh agree with that uh, can a deal with Seattle for Lad be done 
even with that, I still see some money issues move Bailey. Now, Colin is saying no to moving Andrew Ladd. Um, now, Seattle would be one team that does come in with plenty of cap space. Um, if any team is going to be able to take on Ladd's contract, it would be Seattle. But as I just asked you about Kyle Palmieri and uh, Nick Foligno, what do you think the Islanders would have to give up for Seattle to take on Andrew Ladd? The Islanders don't have the assets to have a team take Andrew Ladd off their roster because if you have to give up a first round pick. Now, again, we just literally a few minutes ago talked about them having to give up a first round pick to get Kyle Palmieri or, you know, Felino or whoever. Are you then going to give up another first round pick just to get rid of Andrew Ladd's contract? I mean, I don't know. And then, you know, there's, there's, well, the other thing to look at is Andrew Ladd's not the only bad contract in the league. No, I'm pretty sure that the other 30 teams or the other 29 teams aside from the Islanders are probably, or, you know, the other 30 teams, excuse me, aside from the Islanders are all of the same mindset where they want to see if they'll, they can get Seattle to take a bad contract off their hands. And I, I think that, you know, you know, San Jose's got a truckload of bad contracts. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, you know, like I think Seattle would be in a position to, yes, they'll, they'll, they'll take a bad contract. They're, they're willing to take a bad contract, but they're probably not going to take more than one. So I, I really don't see, you know, Andrew Ladd, you know, what does he do for, for anybody, you know, at this point, and, I, and I, listen, there's no, I don't mean that in a mean way. Um, I, I'm just looking at the contract and, and, and the, and the production, um, you know, I'm sure he's a, a fine guy and, and he's, and he's done some stuff for this team and he, and he, you know, let's not forget he earned that contract by what he did. So uh, I don't, you know, I don't mean to be mean about it, but, I just don't see how it would benefit Seattle to take on that contract. Now, as I wrote, um, I forget which day because the days blend into each other. Uh, there are no weekends. There are no weekdays. There are just days. Um, I wrote at one point, you know, looking ahead to the expansion draft. And, you know, Jordan Everly and Josh Bailey are both players. Uh, they don't have no movement clauses. Uh, so they can they can be left unprotected. If Lou Lamarillo is looking for money this offseason to, to get everything done, uh, we talked about Pellick, we've talked about Sorokin, we know Casey Sezikis is a UFA coming up. Um, there, you know, Anthony Beauvillier uh, also, you know, he's a, he's a restricted free agent with arbitration rights, and I didn't bring him up. He's in a, a $2.1 million cap hit. And you figure he's going to be, you know, over 3 million, you know, 3.5 on his next deal, I would think. So, you know, Josh Bailey and Jordan Everly are both signed through 24. Uh, Bailey has a $5 million cap hit. Everly has a $5.5 million cap hit. And Lou may decide that that's money if, if he can leave those two unprotected and I don't know why Seattle, if they do have the cap space, why they wouldn't bite on either a Jordan Everly or a Josh Bailey if either uh, one I, is left. If, if left. I were that, I would take 
if if I were them and one of those guys was available, I would I would take him. Yeah, and you know, unfortunately, this is what happens in expansion drafts, and and I would think that those are two guys who may be left unprotected. Um, we'll end up with a a musical question for you. Cordup asks, "Does Nickelback belong in the warm up mix?" Your thoughts on Nickelback? <laughs> uh, how should I put this? Um, no, no, they do not belong in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of a, a more polite way to, but you know, sometimes direct is, is the best way to go. So yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, yeah, no. I have mad respect for musicians. Anyone who makes it big, I respect you. I'm just saying I'm not skating around to Nickelback. There, there, there are other <laughs> bands I want to skate around to. <laughs> uh, uh, Colin, this is why you listen, folks. You get you get life lessons. Don't skate around to Nickelback. <laughs> Do not. <laughs> Colin, we have successfully navigated episode 78 of Island Ice Podcast. I want to thank you so much for uh, spending the hour with us. Uh, and if you want to read or follow Colin, please reach out to him on Twitter at Colin S. Newsday. He makes it worth your while, a wonderful reporter. Uh, Colin, thank you so much. Andrew, it's always my pleasure to be on these shows. We have so much fun. <laughs> and and I, you know, I sincerely hope the people that listen have as much fun as we do. <laughs> how could that be possible <laughs> <laughs> and i'll get my wife to listen now you, you don't you worry about it I'll, okay I'll, I'll yeah no you know definitely i want to yeah <laughs> all right that is episode 78 of island ice podcast i am your host andrew gross i am at a gross newsday on twitter and you can also communicate one-on-one -on -one with me via newsday islanders text Again, please text 631-303-3766. That's 631-303-3766. Or go to newsday.com backslash IELTS text to start your 14-day trial subscription. And any content that Colin or I produce is on the Newsday website at newsday.com backslash sports. Until the next time we meet and talk, Happy hockey, everybody.